Hello and welcome to Shoot the Hostage. I'm Sarah. And I'm Dan. We're a movie show that delves into a different film each week based around a theme. This season, the theme is cops. Like all good podcasts, this show contains explicit language and mature content, as well as major spoilers for the movie that we're covering. We're covering Fruitvale Station this week, which is, I want to say, 2013. Yep. Am I correct? Yep. Excellent. Ryan Coogler directed, Michael B. Jordan starring. Yep. All correct. (laughs) All correct. (laughs) Good, good. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably important to know straight at the top of the show that um, this was a film I was only aware of in passing. This was a first time watch for me. Um, I'd seen the front cover. I knew Michael B. Jordan was in it, and that was about the extent of my knowledge. I didn't even know it was based on a true story. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, this is going to be a slightly more serious show than you might be used to. <laughs> um, this is going to be a very, very difficult one to crack jokes about, so we're going to probably refrain from doing that. Yeah. Um, but before we get going, do you have a synopsis for us, Dan? Yeah. Fruitvale Station. The multiple... In- this is a very long synopsis. Am <laughs> I reading all breath. that? Take a deep breath. You can do it. I I'll believe go to in sleep. <laughs> the multiple independent Spirit Award and Sundance Film Festival winning film follows the true story of Oscar Grant, Michael B. Jordan, a 22-year-old Oakland CA resident who wakes up on the morning of December 31st, 2008 and feels something in the air. Not sure what it is, he takes it as a sign to get a head start on his resolutions being a better son to his mother, Octavia Spencer, whose birthday falls on New Year's Eve, being a better partner to his girlfriend, Safina, Melanie Melanie Diaz. Melanie, I think it's still Melanie. Melanie Diaz, who he hasn't been completely honest with, and being a better father to Tatiana, Ariana Neal, their beautiful four-year-old daughter. Crossing paths with friends, family and strangers, Oscar starts out well, but as the day goes on, he realises that Change is not going to come easily and that he'll have to work hard to make it. As he and Safina celebrate the new year and a fresh start, one truly shocking tragedy uh, shakes his community and the entire United States to its very core. So yeah, Michael B. Jordan, we mentioned Octavia Spencer, Melanie Diaz, Kevin Durand. Oh yeah. Is also in it. Chad Michael Murray. Who's One that? Tree Hill fame. Okay. <laughs> Teen heartthrob, I Chad Michael Murray. what... One Tree Hill is. <laughs> it's probably best. Probably for the best. Yeah, so good cast. Yeah. Obviously, Michael B. Jordan. I first heard of this film, I think, when Creed was on the promo. Right, yeah. You're a big Creed fan. Yeah, so so I think I'd heard Ryan Coogler talking about how he got that project off the ground. Okay. And he, obviously, Fruitvale Station being his first feature, mm-hmm. he kind of showed that to Sly and the producers. And they're like, yeah, great. Okay. So we had already had this great idea for a new, new Rocky movie, or Creed okay. movie. Once they saw that, they're like, yeah, we're all in. Oh, like, wow. Go for it. So that's how I came to know Fruitvale Station. Okay. But, but this was also a first time watch for you, wasn't it? But it was also a first time watch. I've yeah. never gotten around to it because I don't think it's really on streaming or anything over here. I don't... I don't. I feel like it's um, a real disservice to the film that it's just not that well known over here. Yeah. I don't think we, as a British culture, are very well versed in a lot of these kind of. I don't know how to describe them. I was going to say true crime case, but that sounds salacious, um, and a bit disrespectful, perhaps. But obviously. We're a, a little bit insular as a nation, so we're not as well versed in this kind of stuff as the Americans are. No, and I hadn't I hadn't heard of this case, which happened in two thousand nine. So yeah. it was it was a while ago now. I hadn't heard of it. We do obviously get stories like this over here. Oh um, it, yeah, but it's much rarer. I would yeah, say. we've we've had one recently, haven't we? And mm-hmm. obviously, we had George Floyd. A while well, that ago. was in that was in the states as well, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. When I say we don't get the oh yeah the news over here so much. Yeah. Well, to be honest, I think this was kind of like the first really high profile one, and that's because of when it happened. Yeah. Um. Because obviously, 
video cameras on phones were kind of in their infancy, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so it was the first, or at least one of the first, that was kind of captured by onlookers. Mm. And the footage went viral in the days that followed. Um, which is kind of an interesting phenomenon. And it does make me wonder if this case may have been forgotten otherwise, were it not for the people filming and trying to hold the cops accountable. Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure that there would have been a lot more brushing under carpet. Yeah, it's uh, a lot happening. harder to do when you've got like concrete footage, you know? Yeah. But yeah, uh, this film kind of straight out of the gate opens with some of the actual footage mm. that was taken at Fruitvale Station. Um, and it's kind of within the first two minutes of the film, I found myself kind of with my hand over my mouth going, fuck, is that the actual footage? And I had to look it up and it is. And like, there are extended clips on YouTube still. Um, but I would, I would sort of um, say, if you're going to go looking for them, just be warned. Like, it's not, pleasant it's pretty harrowing stuff yeah of course um so like look at look with caution perhaps yeah so this movie it takes place over the course of one day it's interesting that they chose yeah. to do it that way or kugler chose you know writer director mm -hmm. with the exception of a couple flashbacks yes yes there were flashbacks yeah um but yeah so we we, we see we meet oscar in the morning mm -hmm. and then it just shows you what he does throughout his day and as you say there are some flashbacks that are relevant to the thing that he's currently experiencing or thinking about yeah you get some context in that way mm -hmm. which was good and i think it was needed if you're going to do a, a movie that's set over the course of a day it's probably quite difficult to convey who that person is so yeah. with some flashbacks um, you do show us a bit more depth of character there. And I did appreciate one of the things that I really liked about this movie is that nobody in the movie is good. Um, some people are really not good. Um, but like, it's, they're grey characters, I guess. Like Kugler, and he'd said this in interviews particularly, that he didn't want to just paint, you know, this whole thing was politicised and he didn't want to just say Oscar Grant you know, angel, yeah. really good guy. Mm -hmm. He wanted to tell the truth. And he seemed, I mean, he seemed like a good guy. It's But he had a past and he had things going on. Yeah. Uh, just important to know. I think it's really interesting that you've said that. I didn't, I haven't watched the same interviews that you have. Yeah. Um, but that's really interesting to me because I did read that um, there was some criticism saying that he had kind of fictionalised and romanticised Oscar Grant. Really? Yeah, which I vehemently disagree with because he was shown to be a deeply flawed human being Yeah, who was trying to get his life back on track, yeah. which from everything I've read sounds really accurate. He was yeah. He's somebody who had um, a vague criminal past, like obviously one of the, the main flashbacks yeah. that we see in the film is him in jail. We don't even get told what he's in there for because it's kind of unimportant. Um, I did read somewhere that it was a uh, weapons possession charge. And I think he'd run into some trouble with like drug possession and stuff as well. So it's not exactly like top tier criminal mastermind shit. He was just a, a wayward kid who'd kind of run into some trouble with the law. But it's interesting to me that people would accuse him of romanticizing it because I think, as you said, this film does such a good job of kind of conveying that he is a mass of contradictions. He's, he's a flawed human being, like all Aren't of us. Aren't we all? Yeah. yeah. And yes, he went to prison. He did some time. But prison is supposed to, like the supposition is that you go to prison to be reformed. Yeah. So he'd done his time and he was out. Yeah. And he was trying to make amends. Yeah. So he was square with society. Yeah. And also there's, in the first scene that you see with Safina, mm -hmm. it becomes clear that she has caught him cheating. Yeah. And you see him talking to another woman later on in the movie, and he's sort of checking her out as well. So you know that he's... Got a bit of a roving eye, maybe. He's imperfect a, person. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So someone saying that they've romanticised this character, I think 
an interesting take because yeah. I, well I totally disagree with that. <laughs> yeah, me too. Because he wasn't shown as an angel. He he was shown as a human being with flaws, but he was trying to improve himself. He, yeah. he was in the movie they were showing his mistakes or telling us about his mistakes mm-hmm. and also he was trying to reconcile those mistakes and move forward. Yeah. We had a couple of scenes where he's making decisions um, and I don't know what was artistic license, but there's a couple of scenes where he's tr- he's trying to make different decisions to try and improve his life. And he meets yeah. characters throughout who kind of nudge him in one direction, mm-hmm. in a certain direction. Um, yeah, it's, it, it's an interesting one that they've that he chose to do it over the course of a day. It must like have been that, very though. challenging to write that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I would say the end of the film, kind of the climax, is almost in real time as well. Like, yeah. I would say that it's, yeah. a, it's a very breezy kind of, what, 82 to... It's it's under 90 minutes. It's a short movie. Yeah. Um, but they jam a lot in there in terms of mm. uh, the myriad of ways in which he gets us to understand who this person was. Yeah. Um, and I would say not a frame is wasted. I don't want to heap too much praise on this film because I don't think it's a perfect movie. I think it's a very important one. I think it's... I I have issues too. I think it's a fantastic movie mm-hmm. and a story that I think probably everyone should be familiar with or at least watch this movie once, but it's somewhat flawed. Um, but it was his first feature and there are things that are brilliant about it, the writing... Mm-hmm. Um, Michael B. Jordan's always like whenever whenever he crops up. I think my first exposure to him was probably uh, Black Panther. I'm ashamed to really? say. Yeah, I've not seen Chronicle. Oh, I have seen Chronicle. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was Chronicle then. Yeah, that was <laughs> probably forgotten that he was in it. Yeah, Chronicle was the first thing I saw him in. I think Chronicle came out before this. I think Chronicle was 2012. I want to say. Okay. And this was the following year. Right. Um, but Who yeah. was he in Chronicle? He's one of the kids. I only is he really? Yeah, I only really remember kids. Dane DeHaan. You've got Dane DeHaan, Michael B. Jordan, and the other one. <laughs> I think the other one was Australian. I don't know. I liked <laughs> that movie. It's a good movie. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but all of the performances were, were good in this. I think the standout for me is Octavia Spencer. Oh, always. Followed very, very closely by Michael B. Jordan, yeah. who can who, who who very early on you can you can tell in his career, Chronicle and this. You can kind of tell that he's going to go on and do big things. Obviously, I'm a big Creed head, so I love him in Creed. <laughs> is that... um, but he's. You should probably um, differentiate because there is a band called Creed. I isn't, I isn't that a Christian band? <laughs> yeah, they're awful. <laughs> I don't want people to mistake no, I your love, musical taste. I, I love Creed. I, I think Creed is my favourite Rocky movie. Ooh, controversial. Do you reckon? Yeah. So amongst Rocky fans, I think that's probably controversial. I think it's great. I didn't see it until recently. I think it's objectively the best Rocky movie. I don't think I w- you can question it. I would it. probably agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, listen, let's not get into a Rocky <laughs> discussion. Maybe we'll do a Rocky one day. Okay. We'll do a Creed, actually. We'll do a Creed. Maybe we'll do a Michael B. Jordan-a-thon. <laughs> okay. Chronicle. Well, I don't know, man. I, we would have to omit this from the lineup because I'm don't know as good as it was i don't know if i would put myself through it again i will get to it including the mess that i was in when this film ended yeah but we'll yeah we'll talk about that later i think um i'll I'll give it some time and i'll give it another watch yeah but yeah i think octavia spencer was was my favorite in this movie she she portrayed that concerned mother but also you could see that she's been through a lot she's kind of at the end of her tether with him yes but and i think i think no scene portrays that better than when she goes to visit him in prison when we see in that flashback and she wants to be there you can you can like the inner struggle is palpable she's so good with almost nothing like it's just very subtle facial expressions Mm. and it's not what she says but I thought that was kind of incredible, the yeah. way in which she sort of, you could tell she wanted to be there and show up for her son, who's obviously not having a great time of it. He's in prison. Mm. But also, like, she's so done 
and especially when he kind of gets up and he's getting aggressive at the other guy who who I read um, was actually part of a white power movement. So doubly fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, but he was somebody that uh, Oscar kind of botted heads with in prison quite a bit. Okay. But yeah, just, just that scene where she's kind of tr- trying to calm him down. I don't know. I just, there's never a time I'm not excited to see Octavia Spencer. Yeah. But she was especially good in here. You could tell she was like really invested in the project. Yeah. Which I guess is no more evident in um, what you were telling me the other day about her. Uh, did she forego her entire fee for this? Yeah. Or? Yeah, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I read that. Um, obviously, it was Forrest Whitaker who kind of yeah. was impressed by his work when he was in film school, which is insane. Like, imagine being in film school. Mm. You're you're not even out the door. You don't have a, a qualification yet. And Forrest fucking Whitaker's just like, yes, I'm going to get you some money. Yeah. That must have been, fuck me, like, that falling into your lap. Um, I haven't seen, I don't know if any of Kugler's kind of student work is available to see, but I'd love to know what it was. Mm that landed him this. Well, I reckon he must have had some kind of showreel to show, to show yeah. Forrest Whitaker, but also the story. I mean, Kugler grew up in the Bay Area and he was the same yeah. age as Oscar Grant. Well, you know, was he, he? He had a lot in common with Oscar Grant in that respect, in terms of location and age. So he was invested in this story and it's an important story that he wanted to tell. After it was screened... Um, I believe at the Sundance Film Festival. I think that's where it had its premiere. Right. A little bit of unpleasantness. I'm going to have to wash my mouth out after I say this name. Um, but after it screened at the festival, it was picked up by the Weinstein Company. Ugh. Mm. I can barely bring myself to say it anymore. Yeah. Disgusting. Um, but they bought the film for two and a half million. Right. Straight off the back of the uh, the Sundance premiere, which is pretty impressive. And I think goes to show... The caliber of the film yeah um it amazes me i think I, knowing what we know about the weinsteins now at least one of them i would wager heavily that it was finance based decision yeah absolutely that they thought they could make money off it and not that they were like yes this is an important story that more people need to see but either way i don't know at least they helped find the film a slightly wider audience than it would have had. Yeah. What would you say are the scenes in this that kind of really stuck out to you? But I'm particularly interested in the first half of the film. Things that kind of shape our understanding of who these people are. I guess the scene with the dog, where, this, where the dog oh. gets run over by the car and he comforts the dog um, while it dies, essentially. That ruined me. Yeah. But the dog was called Ian. The dog was called Ian. It was a pit bull. Yeah. And um, Kugler purposely chose the breed of pit bull. That makes sense cause because they're, they're misrepresented. Unfairly maligned. In yeah. The media. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't like that. But I like that some thought went into that. Yeah, absolutely. That yeah. shows that kind of indicates how much care went into crafting the entire piece yeah that's I, great i think i think all of the first half of the movie is really good because it just clues you into who this guy is so i think that the scene at the shop mm-hmm. where he meets katie i want to say yeah that person anna o'reilly she worked with um octavia spencer in 2011 they were both in the help okay so i wonder if octavia had some sway in bringing her on board absolutely what about you um, I, yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that. I really like that scene in the shop, obviously, for multiple reasons. Um, we see him kind of putting on a brave face as he tries to get his job back. Mm. Um, interacting with a, a former workmate slash friend, which was a really nice interaction. And then kind of talking to Katie, which um, obviously she recurs later down the line. But there were a few subtleties in that scene that I really enjoyed. Um, maybe enjoyed is the wrong word. I might regret saying enjoyed. But just just very subtle character motivations. I don't know. As, as soon as Katie sees him and like he kind of in, not introduces himself, but he's the one who sort of starts talking to her first. Yeah. And I don't even know if it was intentional, 
but she kind of sidesteps very subtly away from him. Yeah, because he's checking her out. Right. Yeah. See, I wasn't sure if that was kind of a well, way I of showing. I that's why like... she, she kind of stepped away a little bit. Right. Because okay. it, it felt... But you noticed to, it as well. To me, it felt like she came to the shop, he was checking her out. He's kind of, you know, I can help you with this. And she's got to guard up a little bit. That's what I... Okay. Uh, but obviously, as time goes on, he's like, no, no, I can I can help you with your cooking Talk or whatever. To my nan. Speak to my nan. <laughs> and then she begins to trust him. Yeah. But I do think he was thinking, you know, I'm going to try and crack on here. Do you? Yeah, I didn't get was, that impression at all. Well, he Am I her, naive? I, I, I couldn't <laughs> possibly say. But there is there is a bit where she walks past him and he kind of looks at her, her, her up right. and down. We'd okay. already found out that he's a bit of a Lothario. Yes. So yeah. I do think that that was, you know, Right, because that kind of, there's echoes of that towards the end as well, because obviously she sees him at the train. We we won't, I'm I'm not going to get too far ahead of ourselves, but there is a point at which he sees her on the train. She kind of says, hi, Oscar. And his girlfriend is just like, uh, excuse me. (laughs) She pops her head up and yeah, who's this? So that makes sense in that context. I, I hadn't clocked that though, first time around. Okay. That's interesting. I'll be honest. My assumption was that it was sort of, intended to show um perhaps internalized biases like maybe um racism i don't think so okay i i i think that character is a nothing character but she's there to serve the character of oscar right it's interesting that she's in the beginning and then she appears again at the end of the movie i guess to just uh, it's for the audience isn't it remember this character who was here earlier well she's she's back Mm -hmm. um yeah, I don't. I don't feel like there was any prejudice on her part. I feel like okay. she just maybe had her guard up because a, a dude was checking her out and initiating a conversation where she probably was like, you know, I don't know this guy. Let's tread carefully here because okay. he says, you know, I work here, and she's like, yeah, what? Okay, of course you do, mate. And he said he speaks to his mate who's on the counter, and he's like, yeah, 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 he does. He doesn't because he's already been fired. <laughs> yeah. So he's lying. He's not telling the truth. True. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's a good point. That's what I like. That's one of the things that I liked about it. They're, they're painting this guy as a human being and not as a saint. Yeah. And also, like, if it's somebody you've just met, it's easier to say, I work here rather than, I used to work here, but I got fired and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. Guess so, but you could. I, I didn't view that as, like, oh, he's lying again. No, I would have just said, I used to work here. Okay. Simple. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> yeah. You're more straightforward than the average human, though. Yeah. I guess so. <laughs> Um, simple yeah i did and going back to the dog scene as well i hated it because i found it harrowing Mm. i at any time there is violence against an animal it kind of i don't know it does something to me i think it like every time i see a fake animal death it takes a year off my life (laughs) so i didn't like that i hope ian is still doing well don't tell me otherwise this film I know, made a long I know, time ago. I know. It's been a decade. Let's hope Ian is still thriving. <laughs> um, but I do, I like that scene for multiple reasons. And I guess that's one of the points, that's one of the arguments people use when they talk about having romanticised Oscar Grant, perhaps. Okay, yeah, I, I guess so. But I mean... I don't agree with that. No, I, I, I can don't. see how someone maybe gets to that from that one scene, but you've got to look at the movie as a whole. And the movie's saying, not great human, not great human, okay human, okay human. You yeah. know, it's, 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 humans but are no, great. They're not good, they're not bad. Nobody's one just, thing, exactly. Yeah, so I think you can see both sides, I think, with that character. Yeah, I agree. But also, I think you'd have to be a monster not to be sad by a dog getting hit by a truck in front of you. Like, I think, I don't know. I I can only assume the criticism comes from, oh, he's a felon. So he must be all bad. Yeah, I guess so. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But that's that's not, that's never the case. Yeah. Unless you're like a Jeffrey Dahmer who is literally irredeemable. Yeah. Um, He went to jail for what sounds like kind of misdemeanors. I don't know anything about what he went to jail for or actually he's... I character outside of this yeah, movie. I only really know about the weapons charge. I, I listened to a couple of podcasts about um, the case from a true crime perspective. So that's where my information's come from. Yeah. Um, so I have a lot to say about the uh, penultimate scenes. Put it that way. The penultimate scenes. What scenes might they be? 
the scenes at Fruitvale Station, the right. scenes for oh, which right, the film is named. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I don't know why I'm being cagey about it, because if you're listening, you know what happened. Yeah. But yeah, I think I really appreciated those moments because, I mean, character work aside, I find Michael B. Jordan to be quite an intense presence on screen. Yeah, he's great. But it was quite nice to see like a softer side to him. Yeah. Um, he, can, he can do it all. Like, yeah. He's got that thing. He can go from soft to angry. And you see that on the train at the end of the movie. Yeah. Where he's all happy, enjoying himself with his family and his, his friends. And then he sees that guy and his face just changes in, like instantly. He's very good at that. He is. He's got like this, not to sound wanky or anything, but he's got like this quietly intelligent sort of presence. Yeah. Like, I don't know, there's something simmering under the surface. He's very good at those kind of roles, especially now having seen Creed. Yeah. One to three in very quick succession. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of foreshadowing in this film, and I think yeah. the dog scene is one of those moments. I think it's the main foreshadowing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That and um, the conversation that he has with his mum, because obviously, I, the the DVD jacket, by the way, inaccurate. Why? His mum's birthday was not on New Year's Eve. It was New Year's Day. They were celebrating a day early. Right. Okay. <laughs> um, assuming that the podcast that I listened to was factually accurate. Yeah. I probably should have verified that. One of them's wrong. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the conversation that he has with his mum, Octavia Spencer, about going out for New Year's Eve, um, his mum seems a bit concerned about their safety. So she's the one that encourages him not to drive and yeah. to get the train. Yeah. Because it'll be safer. I thought that was when she was saying, you know, I think you should get the train. I was thinking, fuck. Yeah. Imagine having that on your conscience. Yeah. I can only imagine and sympathize with Oscar Grant's real mother because Jesus Christ, if that was fact. Mm. Well, Wanda, I think her name is. Wanda, right. yes. Yeah. And she was in the film. Was she? She was. She was um, one of the women at the daycare that they took Tatiana to. Right, okay. Oh, good. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I, I found that really nice because yeah. it kind of, I mean, the fact that she's on board with the production of the film is just nice. There are so many films that deal with true events that feel, what's the word, like they're taking advantage of true events or they're, they're being, not to use the same word again, but salacious. Because there is a real boon for like true crime content. Not to bring up Dharma yet again, but I think Netflix's Dharma was a good example of something being factually accurate, well acted, well produced, but feeling very exploitative at the same time. Yeah. Um, but this didn't feel like that at all. No. This felt like they were making this project with the absolute best of intentions. Yeah. If we just get to the end of the movie then, because... We're going to have to last... eventually. I don't it's... necessarily want to talk about it, but yes. It's the last half of the movie, isn't it, roughly? So you have roughly 45, 50 minutes of character set up during the day, and then the last 40 minutes is maybe I at would the station say, and Yeah, I would say at least the, the final third is kind of... There was more of the film dedicated to that than I assumed there would be, actually. Mm. Um, because there is so much kind of character set up and just day in the life of that I was surprised by how much time was dedicated to the actual crime and the aftermath. Yeah. I'm glad, in mm. hindsight, I'm glad it played out that way. Um, but how how did you feel watching it, knowing where it was going? Did you feel like the tension was kind of ramping up? Um, because it's no, di I didn't. it's difficult with a film like this. Especially, like, it's a bold move to open with the real-life footage. Yeah. Because even people who are unfamiliar with the events of what actually happened, as soon as you see that, you're like, oh, it's a foregone conclusion. And the whole film is leading to a foregone conclusion. You know where it's going to end and how it's going to end. Yeah. But it's just about the journey there and the escalation of this tension, knowing what's going to happen. See, I don't know. Did I feel, I'm not sure I did feel much tension because I did knew you know? where it was going. Okay. Yeah. And that's not to say that it's not a horrific event and, you know, tragic, obviously. I just knew where it was going. So the tension, I guess it was more, I, I kind of, I wanted to see how 
this situation ended, um, how they got to that situation. I wanted to okay. see it unfold out of curiosity yeah. and education. From what I've read, um, all of that, obviously, I mean, they had the they had the camera phone footage to piece it together as well. But from everything that I've read and heard, it was painfully accurate, mm. exactly how it went down. Obviously, we, we've kind of danced around it a little bit. But those of you listening will already know Oscar Grant III was shot dead on um, New Year's Day 2009. Mm. He was, what, 20, 22? 22. 22 yeah. years old. Um, Kid. Yeah, he was a child. 22 is a baby. Mm. You've barely lived at that point. Um, it's beyond tragic and more tragic are the details surrounding it. He was unarmed. Yeah. Um, did you know that this is depressing? This is wholly depressing. Did you know that an unarmed black person in America has as much chance of being shot as an armed white person? No, I did not know that statistic. Um, and that's from I, like peer-reviewed studies. I can't say that I'm surprised really from the sort of stuff you hear in the media. Which is so depressing. It's very depressing, yeah. Um but yeah, I mean, you see it time and time again, like black people who are unarmed going about their day and they end their day with their necks being knelt on. And um, um, apologies if this is like traumatic content for people, perhaps yeah. we should include a trigger warning at the start. Um, but it's infuriating to see that happen. And then you see white mass shooters who are brought in alive yeah. time and time again. Yeah. How can you deny that there is prejudice at play? Mm. And yet the police force regularly do deny it and say it's oh it's just a just a one off it was yeah. a bad apple I'm sick of hearing the phrase bad apple because that ignores the second half of that phrase, which they are willfully ignoring. Mm. Um, but anyway, before I go on a rant about the police, um, let's talk more about the finale of the film. Okay. Um, there was a lot about the final third that stressed me out, not least because I knew where it was heading, um, but I think some of the camera work. And, and some of the shots really added to that. There were some nice moments uh, when they go into the city for New Year's Eve, they want to watch the fireworks. Um, there are some really nice moments when they realise that they're going to be late, they're still going to be on the train. But then there's this wonderful moment of like mass camaraderie where everybody on the train's just like, fuck it, we're stuck here, let's do the countdown, let's play some music. I loved that. Yeah, That was so sweet. Um, but added to the tragedy of it all. Yeah. And then there were a couple of shots. Um, I cannot remember whether it was before or after he was shot, but there was just this point in time where the camera was pointing at the train as it left the station. Mm. And we just get that shot of it speeding past. And you can't make out a single human because it's going so fast. And I found that to be so deeply stressful. Yeah. And I imagine it was designed that way. I'm sure it was, yeah. But it didn't have that effect on you, did it not? <laughs> I don't remember that shot, no, Okay. personally. Like I said, I didn't feel particularly tense because I knew where it was going. Yeah. But I did appreciate the story and everything. Um, you said you were talking about some shots you really enjoyed. The cinematographer, Rachel Morrison, she went on to work with Kugler on Black Panther. Oh, really? That movie obviously looks incredible. Yeah. If you, um, I don't know if you've heard of Black Panther. It's this um, indie, small indie independent yeah. film. Yeah. She didn't work on the sequel to Black Panther. Okay. So. That's probably one of the reasons why it was dog shit. <laughs> Sorry. Let's not get into that. It wasn't very good, but let's not get into that. <laughs> also, another another crew member uh -huh. who... I, whose work I really enjoy, actually, at the moment, Ludwig Goranson. Oh, the, the music. Score for this movie. I spotted that name. Did you? Yeah. What else have they done? The Mandalorian. Oh, of course. Black Panther. Right. And another thing that I'm definitely going to look <laughs> up on my phone. While we're I, as soon as I saw the name in the credits, I recognised it and it's from The Mandalorian. Yeah. Creed. Of course. Of course. Creed. So regular Kugler collaborator. Yeah. That was hard to say. Yeah. Yeah. So talented crew and it's nice to see them going on to bigger projects it is and it's also nice to see the same people working together time and time again because it kind of 
makes you feel like they must be good to work with. I think that's that's kind of I heard once that if you if someone is around in Hollywood and you keep hearing their name, if all of a sudden you stop hearing their name, it's because they're an asshole. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and no one wants to work with them anymore. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, if you see keep seeing that names repeated, obviously they get on and they've got kind of a maybe got a shorthand in the way they communicate. Yeah. Um that's nice. Yeah. So we're, we're we're at the end of the movie then, aren't we? We're, we're pretty much, yeah. We're, I'm, we're, I'm putting off talking about it. Well, let's. But let's, I can't anymore. Let's um let's get into it. So, Oscar sees someone that he knew in prison, right? It was the guy that was the white power the guy. Yeah, yeah, the white power guy that, that initiated the fight in the prison. Mm-hmm. He's also trying to offer out uh, Oscar on the train. So it's sort of inadvertently. Um, I, I'm reticent to use the word fault. But it's inadvertently Katie's fault that the uh, the Nazi, the neo-Nazi guy, even sees him because she's the one who shouts his name after recognising him from the store. Yeah. And then they have a bit of a kerfuffle. And then um, they um, they stop fighting and then they, the train stops and the yep. police arrive because someone's called them. Someone called the police because just, of the scuffle, yeah. Yeah. And then immediately this big white hench policeman just arrives on scene and he's being aggressive and just shouting at people and you can't help but think that he's kind of created that situation you know he, oh yeah there was no need to come in that hot it was just you know everybody let's oh he have was a little chat absolutely i mean if that's how it played out in real life which it seems like it did yeah that guy was absolutely the antagonist yeah and i'll be honest it was sort of both of the cops that have prominent parts in this film were i think genius casting choices because whenever i see kevin durand i'm my my heart sinks i'm just like well he's a bad guy right he's always a bad dude is he yeah always i don't really i, I wrote down some films that he's in that i have seen but i, I don't know him walking tall <laughs> yeah i've seen that but i don't know who he is in that movie i know the rocks in that movie yeah. <laughs> is christopher walken in it Ah, no, I don't believe so. Uh, yes, I haven't seen it for 20 years. <laughs> so he's playing the main policeman that just comes in and just completely... But I think... So the reason I think that's genius casting is because when I see Kevin Durand, I assume, oh, he's going to be trouble. Hmm. But he's not the cop that actually does the shooting. No, but I would argue that he creates the situation in which the shooting happened. He definitely With, escalates his things, yeah. actions, I don't think the shooting happens. Okay. Okay. That's, that's my take on the movie. I don't know an awful lot about the real events yeah. other than what I've researched for this podcast, but I haven't gone into any great detail about it. But I just think if he doesn't come in so hot, the situation is much calmer. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I just don't think it ends up with someone getting shot. So I think he's okay. as to blame as the person, as much to blame as the person that pulled the trigger, in my opinion. Yeah, which is interesting because he wasn't charged with anything, to my knowledge. No. Um but again, another bit of genius casting is Chad Michael Murray, because at that point he was best known for um, things like One Tree Hill. I believe he was in the House of Wax remake. Oh, that, um, that classic movie. <laughs> I might be getting that wrong, but he was like a he was known for being a bit of like a teen heartthrob okay. type. So it was very against type for him to be yeah. the cop that actually does the shooting. And I imagine that would be like a nerve wracking role to take on. Um, because nobody really wants to be known for that, do they? So I kind of respect him for taking a completely different role. Yeah. Um, and he was pretty good. You could tell he was a bit shaken, a little bit younger, maybe a little bit less seasoned. Mm. And obviously what happens is, which was the the real guy's defence, I want to say his name was Johann Messerl. Yeah. He's um, a guy who was born in Germany but raised in the States. I don't know how new to the police force he was, but his defence was that he reached for his taser but it was actually his gun. Now, there's a lot of back and forth about how true that is likely to be. Um, I would always like to give people the benefit of the doubt. And I, I haven't been in such a heightened situation where, you know, people's lives are on the line. You, you know, you're in this very tense scenario. Mm. I can't put myself in his shoes because I've never experienced that. But having said that, I find it quite hard to believe that somebody on the job 
wouldn't be able to differentiate the difference between a taser and a gun. I imagine they feel very differently. And they have different release mechanisms for the holsters as well, I'm, um, I'm led to believe. Right. So I don't know if that was factually accurate. I do know that Johan Marcel's wife, uh, a girlfriend rather, was heavily pregnant due to give birth any day. And she did in fact give birth on January 2nd. Mm. So he was probably already quite um, stressed out, which didn't help. Um, but you have to kind of, it, com it comes to a point where it's like, why was this guy on the beat why was why was he on the job yeah no fuck that guy honestly like oh yeah he, he, i'm not look i'm not he's trying either to reason it he's either incompetent or a cunt or yeah so like both of those things <laughs> both of those things are bad and yeah should mean that you're you shouldn't be a police officer yeah um i do know that after the fact that he he quit his job and stuff and he did. i think it was kind of a, a lawyer advice situation where he's trying to the way I understand it is there was going to be an internal investigation. And so to avoid that, he just left his position, yeah. which I think probably a good idea. So that doesn't fucking happen again. It's it's heartbreaking and yeah. it's really angering. It's hard not to be emotionally invested in this and angered by it because yeah. it's all the more annoying to find out that he only served, I believe, seven months. Oh, really? Was it that? I think his I think his sentence was two years, but it included time served. Yeah. So he only ended up doing seven months in prison, which is so infuriating. You took a life. Yeah. You took an innocent life. You shot an unarmed man. Yeah. By accident, so you say. Seven months. That's insane. How is that justice in any way, shape, or form? Yeah. Um, and there are certain things about that scene as well, like. When we were watching it, I, I remember you kind of saying when Oscar Grant is taken to hospital and you're sort of saying like, oh, why has he got two bullet holes? Yeah. So I looked into that. Apparently what happened, he was shot in the shoulder blade and the bullet ricocheted off the floor and re-entered him and that's what pierced his lung. Yeah. So that's what killed him. That's what killed him, yeah. And obviously the film was made at the actual Fruitvale station. Yeah. So when Michael B. Jordan, I can only imagine how emotional this must have been. Michael B. Jordan, when he was acting that and he was on the floor, face down, yeah. the the actual ricochet mark was still there on the floor. Yeah, yeah. yeah that gives me goosebumps. Yeah, they, they let them shoot there over three nights, only four hours a night. So they had a total of 12 hours to shoot that entire wow. final penultimate scene yeah which is insane that they managed to get that yeah that in the bag but apparently they before they started shooting they they did a prayer they took some time oh. to acknowledge the tragedy yeah so that must have been so hard yeah and michael b jordan spoke about in an interview so i think someone asked the question you know what did it mean to be able to shoot at the place where it actually happened and he said you know it helped him very much to get into that place that he needed to be, I guess. Okay. To be in the same place where it actually happened. Yeah. To get into that character. It That's, must have helped. That must have been harrowing at the same time. Yeah. But also, like, you know, you're telling this story. Everyone wants to do... Everyone's doing this for the right reasons, right? Yeah, like they Google want to do wants right to, by Oscar tell us, Yeah, exactly. And you want to tell this story as accurately mm -hmm. as possible. And you don't want to, you don't want bad performances in there. You want good performances yeah. that show the emotion of everybody. So I think shooting it at the place where it actually happened was a kind of a must. I can't yeah. imagine, I can't imagine them building a set. I, I, that almost feels wrong in a way, you know, to recreate a set where someone was murdered and you're trying to tell a story. I think the only way to do it is to shoot it at I the actual place. Think you're, I think you're right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I struggle to kind of wrap my head around it because I feel like if I was in that position, I I don't know if I'd be able to get that performance out. I feel like I would just be so choked up by it, yeah. which goes to show how great these people are at their craft, Yeah. apart from anything. But also, you're right. If they replicated the set, there would be this like artifice. Mm. It wouldn't feel right. Um, and I think what Kugler was going for was authenticity over anything. Um authenticity and honoring the people involved yeah and i think they definitely achieved that yeah 
Um, so how do you feel about the finale of the film? Because obviously we've got the aftermath where he's taken to hospital. Um, we see a bit more of the interactions between Melanie Diaz and Octavia Spencer, which is just heartbreaking. I think mm. if you're a human being capable of empathy, just watching a mother whose son is dying, God, that that ruined me. Yeah, I was a mess by the end of this film. I thought, I, yeah, I thought Octavia Spencer was was brilliant, and, and maybe that was her best part of the movie was at the end there because you yeah. can see that she's kind of not accepting what's happening. She's, I guess, hopeful that things are going to work out okay. Yeah. So she's trying to keep it together, I guess, for everybody else that's there as well, and it's heartbreaking at the end when she goes to visit him because she says oh, you know God, i just want to yeah. give him a hug and that's kind of a callback to earlier on in the movie when michael well, g was in prison she's him, walking yeah. away and he says i just want to hug i just want to hug oh, so she's yeah. now saying i would like to do that thing for my son that he wanted while he was in prison so it was it was super well done did i cry no but i was emotional i guess and um I'm starting to get teary-eyed again now, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. talking about it. Yeah. This film was so tragic and so heart-wrenching, and I don't know, I feel like it was, as a film, like, let's separate the events that happen in real life from the film. I think, as a film, it's an incredible debut. Oh, it's a it's a phenomenal debut. Now, it's it was low-budget. It was made for $900,000, so it's super low-budget. So and you can, it's difficult because the thing that I had an issue with mm -hmm. was the the picture quality. Okay. But they just shot it on sixteen mil and blew it up. Right. And I wonder if that was maybe on purpose to give it a more realistic documentary style film. Maybe yeah. So I don't mind that, but it did it did get on my nerves a bit. The picture quality, to be yeah. honest with you. But the cinematography was very nice. It looked very nice. It was yeah. mostly just the quality of the picture that I had a bit, a bit of an issue with. Mm -hmm. um, but otherwise, you know, it's a phenomenal movie. I think there were some really nice moments in this and some really interesting kind of technical choices as well. Um, and we haven't even talked about it. Like the, the opening of the film, you see the real life footage on the platform and then it cuts to a completely black screen. And you hear Oscar talking to Safina mm. about his infidelities. And that goes on for like, I don't know, a minute before we even see them. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting choice. Like yeah. you're kind of getting to know these characters before you even see them. Yeah. I really liked that. It was, as a debut, it was kind of a perfect debut. Yeah. Right? Because you see this movie, you see the, 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 the talent of the writing, particularly mm -hmm. the cinematography, great. Um, the acting the, all the round. Act, yeah, nobody's act, bad in this. No, but then you go, you move on a couple of years to Creed, and you really see the directing mm -hmm. improve. And you know, he he took a lot of the things that he used in Fruitvale Station, like the long takes. I was going to ask you this actually, as somebody who's more well versed in Creed. Mm. I was going to I was going to ask you about this. So what? What was it in Fruitvale Station that you saw kind of the beginnings of that? Mostly he... the long takes. Okay. So there were some some longer takes in Fruitvale Station. And then in Creed, you've got a really long take where there's a fight and it's all done in one shot. Yeah. And that's never been done in a Rocky movie before. Really? And that's one of the reasons why I say that it's the best <laughs> Rocky movie. Okay. It's the best written Rocky movie. Everyone's got good motivation and it's the best directed Rocky movie. And I won't hear anything else <laughs> okay. about it. I won't disagree. So, yeah, you can really see how he took some of his really great, inventive, creative talent from this movie and just kept applying and improving on that into yeah. Creed. Uh, Black Panther also phenomenally well uh, directed mm -hmm. and looks beautiful. So... I'm really super interested to see what this... And I hope he yeah. get. I, I kind of want him to get out of the Marvel machine. I want to see what he does outside of that. Mm -hmm. I wasn't blown away by Black Panther 2. No. There's obviously the, its own tragedy surrounding that movie. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of the heart of that movie. It didn't all land for me. Yeah. Um, But I really want him to just do these original 
projects, maybe get back to doing some independent work or do Creed 4. Yeah. That's nice. <laughs> Um, yeah, was it Michael B. Jordan directed the last Creed movie, did he? Yeah, he directed yeah. the last one. And I really liked Creed 3. It was yeah. a vast improvement over Creed 2. Um, but I think he's probably going to stay in the director's chair for. Okay. Uh, Creed 3 was really successful. So he's yeah. going to be back directing Creed 4. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, Ryan Coogler. I'm excited to see what he does. I, I, I'm he's with... only made four movies. That's right? crazy. That's crazy. He's so, like, you can see him honing his craft in like real time yeah. in only a decade. That's pretty incredible. Um, and much like you, I am very excited to see him extricate himself from under the thumb of Marvel. Yeah. Do something completely different. Is yeah. What I'm you know, like DC. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Something original would be nice. Something that yeah. is written and crafted. Yeah, that, a la that he Fruitvale gets... Station, a la Creed. Yeah. Um, Something that gets him, you know, yeah. more creative control, perhaps, and he can really flex his directorial muscles. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be stoked for that. Mm. That's about it for Fruitvale Station. Um, okay. I do want to end on um, a quote from Peter Bradshaw, who reviewed it for The Guardian mm, okay. back on release, um, which calls back to some of the criticisms that I talked about in the first half of the show. Um, he says, yet I am baffled at some of the brow-furrowing US press coverage suggesting he has been romanticised here as if only cynicism were dramatically valid or plausible. Oscar Grant was, at all events, a private citizen who did not deserve to be shot dead in cold blood. Simple as that. And I think that is the best way to sum up those events. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody deserves that, yeah. regardless of your past. Yeah. Right, so... Slightly heavier one this week, yeah. but I'm glad we watched it. I'm glad we were able to talk about it, um, as harrowing as it all was. Mm. On to slightly less dark stuff next week with Thunder Road. Yes, Jim Cummins. Yes, I'm excited. I'm very excited. Yeah, I'm always happy to watch Thunder Road. Yeah, I've only seen it once. Yeah. So I'm very excited for a rewatch. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a new Jim Cummings fan. Yes, you are new to the Cummings. <laughs> the, the, the Cummings, the Cummings and Goings. <laughs> yeah, the Cummings and Goings, yeah. I'm sure we'll get into his movies and, yeah, and sure. whatnot in the next episode. For sure. I'm excited. Mm. Thanks so much for listening. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a five-star review on your platform of choice and come and shoot the shit with us on social media. All the links are in the description. <laughs>